And welcome to the Pride of Detroit, P-O-D-Cast, Pride of Detroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook, going fast, going fast, going fast. So we do it. Waking up pretty early to do this one. So you gotta get the energy right. Let's stretch out the calves, get the muscles relaxed, the blood flowing. Squeeze it all out. Do what you gotta do. I don't know. I don't work. I... Asking me about workouts, is, I, I'm not the best person to ask about workouts. I don't think Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online, is the best person to ask about workouts either. That's just not true. Uh, I've gotta, I, I've, I'm, I'm going to turn our Twitch stream into an exercise stream. Jazz exercise? Yeah, I'm going to be like the Denise Austin of the 2010s. Just that, that's, that's the oldest reference you'll ever hear me pull out, by the way. God, I think, I think we have to revoke his millennial card completely. <laughs> Ryan Matthews. I get Ryan this um, first off, I was going to go directly to you about you know, workouts. And I, I feel like, again, we've uncovered something terrible about how old Jeremy is instead. Uh, who Who is Denise Austin? <laughs> I'm just, I, I don't, I don't, I don't need any She I, might be so old in terms of <laughs> references that she might not be Google. <laughs> Could she be my mother? Yes. 1000%. The only person I have in my head I don't know who Denise Austin is, but I'm imagining like really floofy hair. What what is that style of hair people in the '80s have, where it's like permed or floofed like or flock I don't of know. seagulls or yeah? What are flock of seagulls? Oh my god, I hate everyone. Just... <laughs> <laughs> this is high a... level trolling by Chris. I and yet completely sincere. Okay. All right. Well, we're starting this podcast with the list cast about the Detroit Lions. List cast is back, baby. It's good again. Uh, keeping this one draft related as we talk about the top five needs for the Detroit Lions entering into a free agency and a draft period. Uh, Senior Bowl is coming up. NFL, the Super Bowl coming up. I almost said NFL playoffs. I'm like, wait a minute. There's only one more. We just we're sitting here on a Monday after the championships, and we're going to talk about those soon enough. But first, we turn our attention to the Detroit Lions. They've hired Daryl Bevel and not much else in the news. You can go back and listen to our, our little podcast we did with Jerry Mallory as you listen to us giving our thoughts about Daryl Bevel. Brian, we didn't have you on. What were your thoughts on Daryl Bevel? Uh, I felt like they were pretty much aligned with a lot of other people's. It was something that came out of left field to borrow another sports analogy from a different sport. But uh, upon further review, like <laughs> maybe the NFL should take in terms of their uh, <laughs> their handling of subjective penalty calls that are spot fouls, um, which we'll get into in a later segment. Uh, I think that I like the bevel hire from a wait and see standpoint, which I think a lot of people are being agnostic about it, which is totally fine with me because – uh, we, we have we have all this data that we can look at from his time in Seattle, his most recent stop, but it's going to be interesting to see with a different kind of quarterback, uh, with a different head coach, with clearly some some similar principles, I think, carrying over in terms of time of possession and controlling the ball and running the football. I think that it's going to be, um, I don't know, I, I foresee it hopefully being a successful thing just because I think that the more 
the more shackles you put on Matthew Stafford, the better he is. Hot take. I mean, I don't usually give my opinions on these kind of things on the on the POD cast anymore, but I think I said it in where were we in in our Twitch stream afterwards. Because yeah, you can follow us on Twitch.tv Pride of Detroit. Go there. Uh, guests and fun times to abound. I will say that. Uh, but I will say, I think my what was my opinion on there, Jeremy? It was something like. Before this hire, I knew him as the guy who, before researching this hire, I knew him as the guy who who passed rather than give the ball to Marshawn Lynch in the Super Bowl. And afterwards, I knew him as the guy who passed rather than give the ball to Marshawn Lynch in the Super Bowl. And that's not an indictment on him. That's just that I can't jump to any other, any conclusions whatsoever on what he is going to be in Detroit. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't like defining a guy by one play. I'm not defining him by it. I'm just saying that's the one funny thing I remember, sure. and that's well, yeah. it. It's funny for sure. And, I mean, but, that, and I made but, a joke about it right when it happened, and I got tweets for literally about 48 hours calling me a homer and a negative Nancy. And despite the fact that I had written like three different articles about the guy and how much okay, I well, kind of like him stupid. since, thanks for thanks for <laughs> finding that out. People are very stupid. And if you, but, come on, like. Uh, at some point, at some point, people got to realize like the jokes are jokes and they're just for the fun. Yeah, and again, honestly, I have nothing else to really add to it. And that's not an indictment on my contributions either. It's just literally like I refuse to play this game where I think that you will be able, where we can sit here and divine the tea leaves and know exactly what the Lions will do for the next 10 years. Sure. But what's what's the harm in trying at the same time? Like, why not try to figure out what? Daryl Bevel is going to bring to this team. Because Obviously, it, we don't know whether it's going to succeed or not, but we we can at least. I just find it a useless exercise. Gonna, I just find it a useless exercise. So is this all. podcast. So is football. I know exactly. In general, I know we do it. I know, but if we're going to do more useless exercises, I'd rather do uh, super useless exercises like this one. Okay, life is meaningless. Is is your point? No, life is not meaningless. Life is list cast. All right, we just nice. had the list cast music drop. You can't hear that because it's the power of podcasting, and Jeremy doesn't know it because he doesn't hear some of my stuff on the, on this side as I'm playing music or preparing stuff in the post. So we have just started up the list cast. This is where we're at right now. We haven't done a list cast in a very long time. Hearing that music brings me back. I'm feeling myself this morning, so I'm immediately turn it over to a topic I know Jeremy likes because we're talking about useless prognostications as we list cast the top five needs for the Detroit Lions looking into 2019. You have two big sessions coming up here. Free agency, which I know Jeremy's excited about. More so than the draft. More so than the draft? 100%. Jeremy's excited about that. Ryan, are you more excited about the draft or the free agency? Uh, I'm more excited for it all to be over with. (laughs) Ryan, Ryan cheers on for the end of humanity. (laughs) Jeremy is really rubbed off on me. Like at first I was a person who absolutely loved the off season player transactions. We get some player movement. We get new players on new teams in the draft. There's a lot of like hope, and Jeremy has changed me. Thanks, Jeremy. I'm, well, we're we're switching. We're this is a body switching movie then, because I'm I'm getting I'm getting excited this year. I'm this gonna 
Freaky I'm gonna Friday. be. Uh, yeah, we both peed in the same fountain, and now <laughs> we've transformed bodies. I'm, I'm oh, gonna get excited for the wait, 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 wait. Freaky Friday was about peeing in a fountain. I thought that was like two people touched the same skull or something. There's like <laughs> ten different versions of it now, and I think there's, I think there's literally one where they pee in the same fountain, and that happens. Oh no! I've woken up and I'm old. <laughs> I've already forgotten the name Denise of the person. Austin. Yeah, you wake up knowing who Denise Austin is. Stone Ryan. Cold's mother. Okay, that's the language I talk. See, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm dropping wrestling references. It's already happened. That's true. All right. So the Lions have a lot of needs. They're, they're a needy. They're a needy people. But let's talk about probably the biggest of those needs. So we, we you want to do top five, I think is probably yeah. the most sane way to do this. Yeah, I mean, we don't want to go top 22 because then we're just literally listing every position. Well, no, I top 10, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, stop it with the 22 thing. Uh, let's do this a little differently. You want to go like one to five instead of we usually go five to one in this regard. But I think we should probably like start with the highest need. And I know that's not completely in the spirit of this cast, but we're already 10 minutes in. and We should probably do this. Do it. All right. Number one need. Just get it out of the way right now. What do you got for me, Jeremy? Edge. 100% lines need an edge pass rusher. There's no question yeah, to me that that what really held this defense back for the majority of the season, even at the end as it started to improve a little bit, was the lack of a pass rush. And the Lions have some guys that can do it in the interior now, specifically Deshaun Hand and even Ashawn Robinson. And, and even Snacks was, was kind of flexing his pass rushing uh, skills out there towards the end of the year. But they just don't have an edge guy. And I don't think Ezekiel Ansah is coming back. And I don't think Devon Kennard is a very good pass rusher. And I don't think... Um, anyone really on the roster is, is starter worthy. So I, I, you can make an argument edges is, is a top five need twice. I'm only going to put it once on the list on the list, but um, I, I think without a question, it's the, it's the team's top need. Yeah. Same for me. One with a bullet edge rusher. Uh, the best guy I can think of right now, currently, as far as maybe on the team right now, I don't even know like what his contract is. And I don't think he's back either, anyway. Um, or he might be back. I don't know. Romeo Aquara. <laughs> Yeah. Your edge rusher. He'll probably, I think he'll be back. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think Lions can float him something, but he should not be like your only option here. This is bad. This is really bad. The Lions edge rush right situation right now. Like we're in DEFCON three need an edge rusher. And I think we've been saying for a few months now, if the Lions don't draft one riot. Fair enough. Ryan, is that your number one as well, or do you have a different opinion? Uh, no, I mean it's edge rusher, and I can use it. I, I mean, I could talk about it in a in a different way here, real quick. So if you jump over to Football Outsiders, sure, the Lions their adjusted sack rate was eight point one percent. That put them fifth in the NFL. They were a team that did have forty three sacks. <clears throat> so by just Pure like numbers, if you're looking at if you're doing a little box score watching, they sacked the quarterback. However, um, according to Pro Football Focus, they had one of the worst like pass rushing grades just in terms of generating pressure and whatnot. So yeah, 31st, pa- I think. Yeah, pass rusher is clearly a huge need for, for Detroit. 
why has the why have the Lions just like not drafted one in the last few years too? Any theories? I, well, I think I was right. gonna say I was gonna say real quick, Jeremy. I think last year really set them up well to to kill two birds with one stone and to kind of take care of one side of the ball that they clearly are trying to prioritize. And I mean, they were able to get a guy like Ragnow and they're able to get a get guy like Kerry on Johnson by moving up. So, I mean, I think they were able to take care of that side of the ball rather than maybe either like reach for a guy or take a guy that they weren't so sure on like Harold Landry or, or, or something of the such. But um, and I know that's just an explanation for last year, but I, I really think that maybe the draft could have taken a different route had there been other possibilities. I think that's why the Lions went so heavy with what they did last year. And I think you might see like a, just a completely like diametric approach to, to what they, how they handle the draft this year. And then, yeah, my, my take on it really quick, because I, I don't want it to take too long. Um, sometimes you look at how the Patriots build their team and, and they kind of take it, take the, uh, the cheap route with their edge defenders. They, they like guys who are more disciplined rather than attacking. So, you know, holding the edge in terms of the run game, making sure nothing gets by them, keeping the quarterbacks in the pocket, that sort of thing. I mean, if even if you watched yesterday's AFC Championship game, there were a lot of times Patrick Mahomes had a ton of time back there. And sometimes that's how the Patriots want it. They don't want him escaping the po- pocket and making a play. And so to do that, you just kind of have to hold the edge and not necessarily pass rush. Because if you pass rush and miss, suddenly you're way out of position. You're giving a guy like Patrick Mahomes a ton of room. And that that could... I mean, we saw it happen a couple times. He, he causes a lot of trouble when he's outside of the pocket. Hmm. All right. Number two need for the Detroit Lions. Um, I'll, I'll take this one again. Um, this one's not going to be music to, to people's ears, but I think tight end is their second biggest need right now. Freak, wow. freak, rage, rage. Yeah. How dare you? I mean, you look at the roster. All they have right now is Michael Roberts signed to next year. <laughs> uh, no, thank you. I mean, Michael Roberts should be, the way he was playing last year, he should be the tight end number three. So, again, this is a situation where I think tight end could be listed twice here, but uh, I'm only going to list it once. Uh, the tricky thing here is that it's not a very good free agency class unless unless you want to make another play for Rob Gronkowski, which we tried that once. He doesn't want to come here. Not going to happen. Uh, I'm I'm not. The, the good news, though, is that it's it's a pretty good draft class, and I'm not advocating for, for Hawkinson in the first round at eight overall. Like, I think he was on, what, Daniel Jeremiah's list, yeah. uh, or his mock draft. Uh, but I think tight end needs to be addressed on the first two days of the draft. I absolutely do. And unfortunately, it's not really a position that you get a ton of production out of in your in your rookie year. It's it's a tough transition, t- almost as tough as I would say cornerback. But um, I, I'm just I'm not optimistic about uh, our Toledo boy, and I'm I'm not optimistic about the free agent class. So I think I think this might be a an early round pick for the Lions this year, which is going to get some people angry. But it's what they got to do. I'll sw- uh, Ryan, do you agree with him, or do you have another opinion for number two? Uh, I don't completely agree with him. Tight end is on tight end is situated on my list, but number two for me is cornerback. I, I think it's just so important that the Lions really lock down that second, you know, that second cornerback position opposite of Slay because uh, Nevin Lawson just isn't it. 
And I think that we can finally come to terms with that. I think some of us were willing to buy in, <clears throat> buy in, I think on Nevin Lawson on a macro level, like putting him in as the second cornerback with all these other nice pieces around him. Nevin Lawson shouldn't have much trouble. Spoiler alert, <laughs> narrator voiceover, it was <laughs> a lot of trouble. So I, I, th- I think what needs to happen is the Lions need to address that at some point on, I think by at least day two. Like, I, I really think that the Lions need to invest some draft capital in getting a cornerback. And I'm, I'm not too sure or I'm not too keen on the idea of, of turning to free agency to get it done. So I, I really think that I, because of what Jeremy said, I think when it comes to, to the Patriots approach, like for, for edge rusher, they, they tend to go cheap there, but we have seen the Patriots pay, you know, for, for big name cornerbacks like Stefan Gilmore, yep. um, you know, we, Bob, Bob Quinn himself was even interested in, you know, pursuing Malcolm Butler, you know, are we, thing are that, we, that didn't happen, but yeah. Are we going to jump back on the trade for Patrick Peterson bus? Uh, depending on the cost. Okay. I would be into it. I think my, my number two was cornerback as well. And I'm glad I went to you first. Although I will add to this too. I think the big reason for cornerback need is, and we can talk about this all we want as far as Bob Quinn's track record, but kind of the complete collapse of the, of the faith in T's Tabor. Yep. Like that was supposed to be kind of the future and it has really, really not panned out. So, and you're left with kind of a very questionable year from Slay. And I guess it's a question of what, you, I mean, you know, Diggs is good. I don't know how much production on a long term you'll get out of Diggs. Although, I mean, that's not really a, a full, you know, edge corner, I mean, position on, on one of the, on one of the wideouts for, for him as a cornerback. It's more of a slot receiver, maybe in strong safety role, kind of hybrid, hybrid there. It's not. It's not someone who can line up opposite Darius Slay. Yeah, I, it, it's funny, though, that you bring up Tease Tabor because I feel like if he was what the Lions had hoped they would be, their secondary oh, would be actually be kind of set right now. Like, we'd feel pretty yeah, good about the absolutely. secondary Yeah, yeah, between, between Slay, Diggs, like maybe we'd be talking about safety as a need at that, at that point. Maybe, but, but even with Tracy Walker, like, it, it just it goes to show you that Bob Quinn had a plan in mind and it would it would have been good if he had picked the right player, but he didn't pick the right player. <laughs> All right. Um, number three, let's start with Ryan this time. Okay. Well, I, I teased it, but I didn't do too good of a job of it, but tight end is my number three. Okay. Ba- I kind of bar- figured it'd be, yeah. Yeah. Barely eking out wide receiver. And Spoilers. I understand, I, I understand going off of what happened last year in terms of I, the Lions were in the, exact same predicament they were last year as they are now like Michael Roberts is the de facto number one tight end right now because there just isn't any other players signed beyond this year so or uh, signed beyond you know this this past season so I think the I think that's the only reason why I bumped tight end ahead of wide receiver because there was an awful lot of there are an awful lot of things to point at and say, look at what happened when the Lions lost Golden Tate. And I think the Lions really need a specific type of wide receiver too. So I think that's why I also bumped tight end in front of wide receiver because because mm. of that, like the specificity of the need. Yeah, number three for me is actually wide receiver. Uh, 
I've banged on this pot for far too long for me to put down wide receiver any further as a need. Like, if you want to have an offense in the modern NFL, you cannot just have what the Lions have right now. It cannot be Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, and then whatever else we have in 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 the cupboard. It needs to be there needs to be a solid extra option. And to be clear, too, I don't think the book has been written on Kenny Galladay. I know a lot of people see the flashes and shines in it, but I think this year also showed his limitations as well. And like, if you're not, if you're not going to have a tight end, I mean, I think you can at least like find some decent locking tight ends kind of on the margins of the league sometimes. And I don't know, maybe you look at Levine Toilolo again. I don't know, but I would much rather have another just like another big wide receiver. If nothing else, maybe even in the slot, we saw what Anquan Bolden could do for this team two years ago. And yeah. that's just where I'm at right now with that position. Uh, real quick to interject too. I think that when it comes to the wide receiver problem, I, I agree with you, Chris, like that third spot is, is very important. Um, the only reason I put tight end, like I said, above it is because Taylor yeah. Decker had the highest receiving grade. <laughs> Yikes. On the team. Uh, it's all jokes. It's all jokes from here. But but the the Toy Lolo thing I think is real and legitimate. Like I, I would not mind to see him come back. However, I was of the same ilk when it came to Darren Fells. Like yeah. mm-hmm. I was I was I was really bummed to see the team not retain him because I, I thought he did a he did a really serviceable job here in Detroit. Um so I, I I wouldn't necessarily elevate Toy Lolo to fell status, but um, I think it should be a priority to keep him as a as a situational tight end. All right, we're pretty deep in this segment already. Let's go a little faster here, but we got to give Jeremy his chance to get his number three out. Yeah, my number three is one we haven't mentioned yet, so uh, we can we talk about this one real quick. Okay. Uh, r- running back two. I think the yep. addition of Daryl Bevel as the offensive coordinator proved that this team is still very much trying to Establish the running game. And <laughs> I know I was I was I know I've been hyping up Zach Zenner in the past couple of weeks, but he needs competition. He needs someone um I mean the Lions just need someone, period, because as much as we like talking about uh whether Carry on Johnson is injury prone after, you know, kind of having an injury filled rookie season, uh the same concerns go for Zach Zenner. Uh the guy busted a lung a couple of years back. He hurt himself in the final preseason game of this year. Uh I, I, as much as I, I like Zach Zenner as a talent, you need someone there pushing him. You need someone there to compete with him. You need someone there to potentially back him up or have Zach Zenner be the backup because I don't think I could rely on Zach Zenner as an RB2 who, by all means, is probably going to get quite a bit of contributions under this offense. Um, I don't know if I trust Zach Zenner to last a full season, and I don't know if I trust if I trust on Johnson to last another season. So I think this team needs... Uh, a running back to that they can rely on for a good, you know, 600, 700 yards potentially in this offense, because that's how key the, the running game is going to be here. I think. Yeah. I I'm fully expecting another pickup at, at running back. Um, I can't remember where I have that on my list as far as past five. Um, you want to just quickly do our fours and fives. Let's do it. Okay. Jeremy. Um, cornerback. Number two, 
number number two cornerback i should say is my is my number four if that's not confusing <laughs> wow <laughs> um the only reason i didn't have it higher is because i think the lions have players that could play that position it's not ideal i mean we talked a lot about nevin lawson who i'd kind of mm. like to see him kick inside to be honest um jamal agnew is obviously in the mix as well again he's kind of more of a nickel corner but they have bodies there it's just they need more they need more talent mm-hmm. Um, whereas these other positions, RB2, tight end, edge, they don't, they literally don't have guys. They have guys at cornerback too. Um, but Ryan made, I think, a really good point in, in that this team has very much, this team and the Patriots both very much value really good cornerbacks. And I, I think they go aggressively for another one this year, whether it's, you know, a first or second round draft pick or a trade or going for right. one of the top free agencies. I think they're going to, they're going to hit it hard. Okay. Uh, Ryan, your number four. Uh, my number four is wide receiver for okay. reasons aforementioned. Cool. Uh, my number four is running back too. So we've talked about that enough. Uh, need more, need more, cannot rely on the Zen. And number five. I'll, I'll uh, grab number, I'll grab number five. Yeah, real sure. Quick. sure. So my number five was running back too. However, I made a last minute adjustment because while I think it is important, it's going to be, I think it'll be easy to like fulfill or like to, I think it'll be easy to fill that role, but I, I'm going to say like interior lineman. Cause I really don't think TJ Lang, TJ Lang is going to be on this team. I really don't. And that's going to be a huge hole to fill. Yeah. I, I I'm with you that it's a big need. I, I get the feeling TJ Lang is going to take a pay cut and stay. I just, it's just, it's a feeling it's listening to him talk about how much, he he Your loves playing sense. and how much he wants to play. And he said, you know, he's going to give it a couple months to like really think about it. But when he was there in the locker room at the end of the season, it really sounded like he didn't want to go anywhere. All right. And well, I don't yeah, know. I'm ready. All right. I'm ready to play the heel with my number five. Uh, my number five. Say quarterback. Just say it. No, backup quarterback. At this point, like I. I at this okay. point, I, I think. Oh my god, my cat's knocking over some bottles here. Um, he's mad. He is yeah. mad. He, he heard that take, and he's like, <laughs> "What? What? What? No, backup quarterback." Because I don't like. Please stop giving me fossils like Matt Castle. I know it's. I know it's not going to be as sexy of a pick, but I think at some point you do. You do want the backup. You do want the backup. And uh, I think this draft is actually quietly, fairly, there's some decent quarterbacks in there, but because they're not going to be high, I don't think any of the quarterbacks would really, like, I think we'll see like probably three quarterbacks go high, but I don't, but there's also going to be a lot that after, after that might drop off. And I'm just saying like, if a, if someone, and let me make sure I'm getting his name right, because it, all these uh, all these kind of vaguely American names screw me up. You know how it is. Um, okay, that's not his name. I have to go look up his name, but that kid from North Carolina State, like if he's there in like the third or fourth rounds, I'm not opposed to taking it. Bob Quinn's talked before about, you know, the importance of taking waivers on quarterbacks kind of, you know, during a draft. I'm all for it. The Lions literally haven't needed a backup quarterback in eight years. You don't know that. That just means it's. <laughs> yes, that just means that just means no, 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 no. It's early. 
that just means the big one's coming, Jeremy. Like like earthquakes in California. Uh-huh. The longer it goes, it just means the big one's coming. They're due. You're you're really gonna pull the they're due gambling fallacy Maybe. on me? Maybe. Put my tongue in my mouth. Maybe. <laughs> Let's hear your number five. Uh my number five is is a slot receiver or just a wide receiver three, whatever you want to call it. The only reason I have it so far down on my list and much lower than tight end is is again the Daryl Bevel thing. Um it's it's me trying to project exactly what he's going to do with this offense and a wide receiver three has never been as important as a tight end one in his offense in terms of receiving threats. So I, I think it's, it's something you want there. You, I mean, ideally I would love the lines to grab like a Tyler Lockett in the, in the fourth round somehow this year, that would be amazing. Cause they do need that guy that can stretch vertically. Cause for as much as Kenny Galladay can do as much as Marvin Jones can do, they don't really have the speed and the quickness that, I think really could help this offense create stuff because the one thing we haven't seen is separation, right? Even with golden Tate, there wasn't a lot of separation. There was a lot of separation after the catch, but I need someone who can burn people. I need someone who can run crisp routes, which is why I was looking at that Clemson receiver during the national championship game. Um, He's kind of a guy that I would like in that, in that wide receiver three role, although he'd probably have to be drafted much earlier in like the second or third. All right. But wide receiver three. All right. Um, Real quick note, I was thinking of Ryan Finley from North Carolina State, and the only reason I was getting screwed up because I was thinking of Ryan Lindsley, who is not from North Carolina State. (laughs) Uh, He's also in the NFL. Yeah, he's also in the NFL. He's with the Cardinals right now, I think. Uh, Ryan, we're really up against it here. I'm sorry. I have to give you like 30 seconds here for your number five. I already gave my number five. Oh, you did? Okay, great. All right, you want to let's recap our uh, one to fives real quick, Jeremy? Number one edge, number two tight end, number three running back two, number four cornerback two, number five wide receiver. Ryan? Uh, I had edge number one, cornerback number two, tight end three, wide receiver four, and interior offensive lineman five. I had one edge, two wide receiver, uh, three cornerback. Why am I forgetting already? <laughs> four running back to five backup quarterback all right let's take a quick break here and when we come back on the pride of detroit beauty guest we're already way overdue i'm supposed to be managing this for ads we have to take a break and when we come back here we're gonna be talking about the playoffs 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 and maybe some thought things that maybe the lions fans can glean off the playoffs we'll be right back And we're back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Let's talk playoffs. I have to have that drop. I have to. I really should have a soundboard here to just keep playing. Just keep playing um, Herm every time. No, not sorry. Not Herm. Yes. Uh, uh, no, not Herm. No, no. It wasn't Herm. It was it was uh, Mora. It was Jim Mora. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mora Herm was you play to win the game. Yeah. yeah. Play to win the game. Denny Green mm-hmm. was. We, let we are who we the thought. Hook. We are. They are who we thought they were. Yep, we let them off the hook. You mm-hmm. want to crown their ass and then crown their ass. <laughs> you love that. That is like, if we were putting together a list cast of top coach meltdowns, that would be your number one with a bullet. Numero uno. <laughs> Much respect to the uh, late Denny Green. I'm a man. Yeah. I was going to say, that's that's my number one with a bullet <laughs> right there. Is <laughs> Gundy. 
It's Gundy, yeah, just losing it. Yeah. Of course, they take the college route. Although I have seen some older... No, never mind. I'm going to save that one for, for another time. <sighs> Playoffs happened. Conference championships happened. We have our Super Bowl matchup now. The New England Patriots. Uh, uh, against the Los Angeles Rams. So now, once again, as I was point as as I pointed out to Jeremy to try to diffuse his take of chaos must reign, this is now t- the second time in four months that the cities of Boston and Los Angeles will be represented in a sports championship. And what group of people are more hated than people from Boston and L.A.? Chaos, chaos. And, uh, oh no, God. I'm. S- I'm sorry. Okay, chaos. New, York, New York's up there. Too. I was <laughs> DC is up there too. I'm just like we have to get down the totem pole a bit before we hit chaos. Didn't but even no, mention like, San Francisco. Yeah, they're not as relevant. They don't uh, matter as much. I don't know. But they're getting there. They're getting there with Golden State people, man. But man, like chaos. How can you not look at Sunday and and think chaos was the storyline there? Because I think officiating became the storyline, just not yeah, the reason <laughs> that we like even thinking about. But oh, dude, I I don't know. I I revel in that, and knowing completely that if I was in the Saints situation or or the Chiefs situation, that I would hate everything and everyone. I I don't know. I love I love just watching the the crazy swings of emotion and controversy, and like I don't know. People feel like I feel like people want football to be perfect, but no one would actually like, like I was going to say, are you ready? Are you ready for us, for the NFL to freak out, make pass interference, interference, I can speak, <laughs> pass interference reviewable and drag this game down to hell with how long it's going to take with some of the petty reviews that coaches are going to demand? Are you ready that, for it? Yeah. It, it, don't, no, please don't do that, NFL. <laughs> if you are listening, which I know you are because we're the greatest podcast ever, do not do that, please. Because no matter how hard you try, you're not going to make this game perfect. And it's it's little flaws that give this game character. It's it's the tuck rules and, and crazy shit that happens in the sport that makes it fun. And I realize if I said that to a Raiders fan, they'd punch me in the face, and rightfully so. But I don't like... Or a Saints you, fan today. Or a Saints fan today. But I don't know. I I love this sort of stuff. It, it gives the game character. And, and yes, you want to be as accurate as possible. But making things reviewable that are very much gray and never, ever, ever black and white is not going to get you closer to football salvation. I promise you. Mm. See, you, heard it here first, you heard it here first, folks. Jeremy is okay with the refs picking up the flag in Lions-Cowboys. <laughs> This is why I need to formulate my thesis that sports are much better when they're like professional wrestling. <laughs> what? Uh, scripted? I mean, we love uh, <laughs> Jeremy. Jeremy tweeted this out, but like we love villains. And like, isn't mm-hmm. it great that the Patriots are back again because of no, <laughs> because of D Ford lining up offsides? <laughs> No, because, and to bring it to another wrestling thing, this feels like the one guy the promotion has been pushing time and time again, uh, way after he's overstayed his welcome. I, there was only one team that that our president <laughs> tweeted about a congratulations <laughs> for advancing to the Super Bowl. I'm just saying, like, villains Enjoy your villains quarter powders, important. New England. Enjoy your quarter powders. 
Uh, I mean, that that is a killer way, though. I mean, as far as, like, heel credentials, to, to knock out the Chiefs without even giving Patrick Mahomes a chance to respond, dude. which, speaking oh, of which, yeah. like, if we're talking about rules that need to be changed, I'm against, I'm with Jeremy, though. I'm against PI being changed. I'm actually all about like maybe even getting rid of like most instant replay, instant review, like across the board. But I think the overtime rules need to change. And I think we saw that over the weekend. The overtime rules absolutely need to change. Just just for the playoffs, just for the playoffs. I understand why you can't have, you know, grown men playing too much more football, like during the regular season. Agreed. For the playoffs, the playoffs, like it needs to be a better system. Right, Ryan? Yeah. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not for like a shift to college because I understand the, I understand the call for wanting to play the game between the twenties as well and to not make it so like situational, but both teams need a chance to score the football regardless of how they do it. And simply because I don't want to look at the bottom ticker and see how Brady is perfect in overtimes in the playoffs and (laughs) on all of those, all of those overtime opportunities he's scored on the very first drive. And that's just, that's just been it. Like nobody, nobody has ever been able to call back serve because of Tom Brady's perfectness. Like there's nobody who's been more crushed than me, right? Like Chris, Mm -hmm. you probably feel this as well, but like this entire season was the Patrick Mahomes experience and to have it end the way it did is just with no Patrick Mahomes. It's just crude and unfair. And who didn't want a rematch of that Monday night football game? Like in a dome. Mm. <laughs> I, I hate to agree with you both. So steadfast Holy shit. And true, but yeah, Holy I'm, I'm hundred. I, that was our, our question of the day on Monday and 78% of people agree with us that yeah, the overtime rules need to change. And I got the same exact solution as you guys. Like, just make it each team gets a possession. Why do why does each team get a possession only if they hold them to a field goal? That doesn't make sense to me. And like, I'm with you, locks and step in terms of yeah, just make this a playoff thing. How, I don't want to see teams get injured and and tired out in the regular season. Just do it in the in the postseason. What is the negative point of doing something like that? I see a lot yeah, of people like, like I, I I see a lot of people saying, well, just stop them. You have a chance to win. You just have to stop them. Look, okay, the, that's one the, side of the, that's only one half of the, the game. NFC championship. Yeah. yeah, but like, how come only one team has to prove that they they can stop the other team? How come the other team doesn't have to prove that? Because they what? won the coin toss, Jeremy. Right, exactly. <laughs> and you look, you look at the way the NFL is turning and how good teams are getting at scoring and how everything is slanted towards the offense. It's becoming a really, really big and even bigger advantage now to win that coin toss. The reason, I mean, just the fact that there are no teams in the NFL that are going to win that coin toss and be like, you know what? Let's get our defense out there. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know that that coin toss makes that big of a difference that 100% of the teams in the playoffs take the ball first. 100%. What if this has to to decide the the, the Super Bowl too? Like we've had overtime in the Super Bowl before, but I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, that wasn't a one- Mercifully, that wasn't like one uh, one possession score to win the game, was it? I'm not sure. The, the Falcons-Patriots? Uh, Falcons, Falcons, oh, yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, Tom Brady just won that coin toss and put a dagger at him. That's right. For some reason, I thought that was more than one. My bad. I can't believe this is the take that's bringing harmony. What was that? Evidence that momentum matters. Yeah, momentum matters, baby. All right, all right, I, all right. I, I, yeah, we had to get that in there. We had too much harmony in the kingdom <laughs> with this take about playoff over time <laughs> that we just suddenly had to introduce Discord again, or else we would agree on everything once more. 
Uh, but no, I mean, like that's that's definitely the biggest take from the weekend, right? Is like overtime for the playoffs seem to just needs needs to change. I, I'm with everything Jeremy said about but, like I don't th- yeah. I don't think that's the biggest take that people are talking about Monday morning. Are you you think you think the result of the Saints game missing that the blatant pi yep. is more of the is is more the take? Okay, yeah, because uh, that's something that's uh, it's not new, but it's it's newer because the you think it gets the rile. It gets the people riled up harder when they see a missed call, a missed PI call. Absolutely, but I'm okay, sorry, there there are just no there are no clean solutions for me here because yeah, no, there isn't. Is the, it's a bang bang play. You're going to get bad calls all the time. We talked earlier about how making it reviewable is just an awful, awful. It's a Pandora's box. Idea. It's a Pandora's box. Do you want to make holding calls reviewable then too? That's just as as objective. I think people I think I, I think the problem is people assume that if you give review powers on PI it's only going to be called it's only going to be reviewed on those like super blatant situations like what we saw in the Saints game but I think people underestimate how petty and how small-minded NFL coaches are that they would grind the game to a halt just on every chance they could on even like stuff that isn't bang bang calls it, well and to me Review just it, review needs to be limited to things that are black and white. And yeah, I think you could probably find a group of fans that would say, you know what, maybe that pass wasn't, maybe that wasn't pass interference. Maybe the pass was uncatchable. Maybe the the ball had already passed because there wasn't a great angle that they showed that it showed the ball hadn't arrived yet. They kept showing that sideline view, but you, there's no depth perception that you can tell from that angle. And I mean, there's just so many little things um, in terms of. You know whether the ball is well. I guess whether the ball tip was would be a. Which can I take a minute just to say that apparently the refs told the people on the field that the ball was tipped, therefore he could lay the dude out. Um, what? what? Excuse me. What? Excuse me. <laughs> That's the excuse you're going for. What? But to me, there, there are just too many subjective things that goes into a pass interference. You know that contact is allowed between a receiver and a cornerback, right? It is. But if it, hinders, <laughs> if it hinders the guy's ability to make a catch, then it's pass interference. All so right. you want to tell me how you can look at that at a replay and, and determine that or determine whether it was intentional or accidental? Like those things are all subjective and you can't, you can't pull that with a replay, especially when, I don't know, everything just goes in slow motion. You can like, you can make anything that wasn't intentional look intentional by how how slow you slow it down. So get out of here. Get out of here with that. All right. Uh, ultimate test of these theories then is, and this is all. This is probably like to see how much of a neutral arbiter you are versus how much of a Lions fan you are. And yes, I am putting your credentials on the spot, everyone. So no pressure. But literally, first thing that jumps in your mind as I give these scenarios to you, Ryan. If the Lions win the toss in overtime and then score and win the game, and let's say that game gets them to like the Super Bowl or something, are you happy with that or are you talking about the inherent mess of the overtime? Uh, the former, obviously. Jeremy? Tom, Tom Brady has been to nine Super Bowls. The Lions have been to zero. Jeremy? Yeah, no, dude. I don't Stand by I'm, your principles or stand by your team? My team, absolutely. I don't care. Like, <laughs> I, I have no shame in saying that if I watch the Lions win a playoff game by scoring first in overtime, I'm going to be thrilled first and outraged maybe 200th on the list. There, 
there's there's a test case study for this already, and I know it was regular season, but butt flip. Are you kidding me? Like, do you think that like after the butt flip, we're all like, oh, I don't know, I think overtime's a little buggy. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. We're we're partying on the rafters. Cool. Speaking all right, of rafters, then I'll throw I'll throw out our our pi thing then. I was going to do the pi one, but I think I know which way you guys are going to go on that. Anyway, Ryan, you were talking about rafters. Well, well I. Jer- Jeremy totally blew the uh, blew the opportunity to put a watermark on our on our meme that we made that we put mm-hmm. on Friday Detroit stolen by Reddit did, already. We we did beat the AFC champions, but can we? I I, I want to talk about how we've buried the lead. Okay, we've totally buried the lead. Mm-hmm. Sean Sean McVay is a spineless sack of crap for not going for it on fourth. <laughs> Holy and God, <laughs> yes! I was so mad at that fourth and inches from the goal line, and he decides to to back up to take a 19-yard field goal. Are you are you kidding me? Like hold on, like that that happened and I just wanted to get on Twitter but I was in a I was in a serviceless basement. I wanted to get on Twitter and be like so this is your god. <laughs> this is your this is your hero, right? This is Laid this naked. is the guy that's supposed to save this, this is the guy who's supposed to save your modern NFL offenses on all of your teams because somebody was in a Somebody was in a bathroom stall next to Sean McVay and is now your wide receivers coach. Like, this is your this is your champion. I was like, what a what a load of crap this is. <laughs> my my takeaway is is kind of on a similar vein of yours, Ryan, from that game. I mean, I raged about Sean McVay, but I want to flip the other side the coin to the other side in that I never want to hear Sean Payton ever complain about uh, about following and not following the rules ever again. Like the idea that he's out here complaining about a rule not being followed with officiating. Like you, th- this is a guy who should not be coaching football ever after his role in Bounty Gate. And, you know, no, we, we just kind of let him stick around and now he gets to be baboon ass red mad for whatever reason. Take a break, yeah. Sean. I don't, I'm not really a, a Sean Payton fan for whatever. I mean, maybe that's the reason, but I don't know. Like I think back to, was it was it against the yeah it was against the Vikings right where he did like the choke symbol to the crowd yeah and, and then immediately his words like five minutes later <laughs> nobody nobody has ever eaten more crow in one night <laughs> <laughs> surprised yeah. he doesn't surprised he doesn't squawk like a bird now after that but my yeah. man is still my man's still wearing a visor in 2019 maybe that's why we hate him <laughs> maybe that too. Are you guys happy with the Super Bowl arrangement we have here? Rams, no. Rams, Patriots? No, you wanted no. Rams, Chiefs. No, well, yeah. I mean, I wanted Rams and Chiefs primarily, first and foremost. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I wanted a rematch of the Monday night game in a dome so I could bet the over and use my <laughs> entire checking account on it. Because unless they set the over at like ninety, <laughs> there was no way I was going under. But uh, I, I just wanted the Super Bowl where I didn't have to hate either of the two teams. I will say it's kind of halfway there. If it had been Saints Patriots, I would hate the whole thing. Yeah, I, I'm also I'm not a huge fan of either team, and I don't I don't have a rooting interest now, which is kind of disappointing. But I think I do think this has a compelling enough story to keep me intrigued, and I, I don't need a team to root for to enjoy football, and I think the old minded football of the Patriots and like the big 10 kind of like running grounded pound and possession football versus Sean McVay and the exciting new golden God of the league who 
I, I guess occasionally succumbs to the the, the allure of a 18 yard field die, goal. die. <laughs> the, the antiquities yeah but like yeah I, th- I think old versus new is kind of a, a fun interesting uh storyline here because it's it's also one that the lions are kind of dealing with right now too right a lot of mm-hmm. teams were hoping offensively they'd take this new age approach and instead they're going with the patriots approach and now we're like ooh, which one's gonna win both and, and the answer is that both can succeed in the NFL, and that's boring. Yeah. But but we like to react to one game and be like, oh, okay, so if Sean McVay wins, that means the Lions made the wrong choice. But if the Patriots win, oh boy, it's going to be Lions Patriots next year. Cast ye judgments. Yeah. Also, also, Jeremy, and I know you love this: the amount of people talk about Indomitian Sue going to the Super Bowl. Literally, or four or five Detroit media members decided to tweet out almost the exact same words. Indomitian (laughs) Zoo is going to the Super Bowl. That was their entire tweet. Wow, (laughs) thanks for that helpful insight. Wow, yes, Indomitian Zoo is a football player. Yes, he is actually playing for the Los Angeles Rams. Wow. Uh, Aaron Donald's also going to the Super Bowl. True. Um, for me, and I'm not going to get, I'm not going to play the rage corner music or anything, but I will say I am on the LA boat here. And I will just say this, like, if you are just randomly taking randomly, if you just happen to be in a bar in like, I don't know, Burbank, because you were there anyway, because you're a boring little soul, and you take a video of, of people confused watching football, just because they're hanging out, not even a sports bar you're in, mind you. You're just hanging out there and you see a couple people confused about football and you're taking a video and then casting that to be representative of the sports culture in L.A. You're a prick. You're just an saying accurate, that. accurate prick. No, no, you're not. I've been around. <laughs> actually, I've been around enough sports fans in this town to know. No, 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 no. We're talking about the second biggest metropolis. I guarantee you I could go to like New York and do the same thing. But no one is ever going to do that to New York. Because why? Because New York's the golden child. Because they always get the pass. I could find so many bad people who don't know football if, like, the Giants were going to the Super Bowl. I could go to Brooklyn, and I guarantee you we'd find so many people trying to be ironic. It's like, oh, is that game? Yeah, yeah, that's game. And you're in New York, but we're not going to do that to New York because they get to be the golden children. But L.A. is – just tee up L.A. because I guess – I don't know because you're jealous. I don't know. There's there's going to be a lot of really terrible narratives this week about how good of a sports town Boston is and how bad of one L.A. is. And I'm just trying to get out in front of it because it's going to be insufferable. How about how racist of a sports town Boston is? Well, I mean, that's true. Someone sounded Poo-poo. a little defensive over there. Oh, Whatever. All, 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 yeah, well, all I'll say is that you have the villains and you have the good guys. Just root for the good guys. I mean, I am going to get a little tired of the... I'm going to get a little tired of like the antiquated versus the new age. Like, I, I feel like that's totally going to be the narrative that they build up. I want, I want Steve Belichick to really shine. I want, yes. I want an in-depth, I want an in-depth <laughs> look at the new England Patriots safeties coach. Listen, go listen to our last podcast we did with Ryan and Mansoor and you'll find our love for Steve Belichick. Like this is, this is absolutely a storyline for us in the Super Bowl. <laughs> I want to see I want to see Steve Belichick getting his safeties ready by running him through a lacrosse practice. <sighs> lacrosse. Can, All right. Uh, th- yeah. th- can we talk about one last thing with the playoffs? Yeah, yeah, last word to you. Yeah, so this this was one thing that really stood out to me, but I mean, Todd Gurley, best running back in football all season long, 
hindered a little bit by injuries. Were you guys at all shocked how little the Rams used him? Deadspin today headline, Todd Gurley says he didn't play much because he was, quote, sorry as hell. And uh, whenever <laughs> someone describes themselves as sorry, yeah, Gurley himself said, used the word sorry to describe himself. So I'm shocked, but after hearing that he's describing himself as sorry, I get where he's coming from. Somebody's got to get that man on a couch because they got two weeks to get that man ready and pop <laughs> him back up and be like, hey, you remember, yeah. you're, you're the dude, right? <laughs> like, you are the dude. You are the guy. Yeah, like, I was shocked by that, and that's, like, a big question mark for the Rams going to the Super Bowl. Absolutely. It, I, that totally had to play in. I mean, that, that totally had to be a factor when it came to fourth and goal from the one-yard line. And it's like... Mm -hmm. What CJ Anderson's getting carries. You have the best running back in football. I don't care if he thinks he's sorry as hell. Like, give ball, run ball, score a touchdown. Quick maths. We will, we're taking a break here. We will be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast for your questions. Hashtag ask POD. time hashtag ask pod as always i say this all the time i do this arrangement all the time use the hashtag ask pod on twitter on twitter and tag at pride of detroit in there to send us your questions do it anytime during the week too and not just when we send out the calls from sometimes uh especially like this week where we decide to record pretty early because we thought we uh were going to do one type of podcast and all of a sudden we had to change it and do a different type or maybe like we didn't have a we didn't have a thread up on prideofdetroit.com. It happens. Stuff happens. Twitter is a reliable source for us there. Also, this goes in I mean, I, I don't know. Sometimes we'll take questions from comments too. If we see it up, look for it on prideofdetroit.com. All right. Where do you guys want to start? I've got questions all over. Do you want to start on Super Bowl or do you want to start on draft? Mm. Uh, let's draft, baby! Draft. I love the draft now. Woo! Oh, goodness. All right. Well, I don't think we've talked about one of these players here. Michael Garrett asking us: Greedy Williams or? Oh my God! I can't say this name. Cleland Farrell. Cleland? Is that so? You're you're going you're going yep. vowel sound e on Cle on. Okay, I was going to say Clellan. So I think Cleland. it is it's probably Clellan. I haven't started my draft <laughs> stuff yet, but I love it now. Woo! <laughs> I'm all for Greedy Williams just for the name. Is that his real name, Greedy? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Haven't started my draft stuff. Uh, but terrible. No. That'd be a terrible, terrible name to have. And yeah, that is. His, no, no, that's his nickname. Andreas. Andres. I. Wow. Wow. We are professionals. Anyways, no, give me greedy. I think greedy, greedy matches the talent and the value of the eighth overall pick more than Clellan Farrell does. I like Clellan Farrell, but I like him more towards the mid or end of the first round. Maybe, maybe even early second. Uh, but greedy to me is a, is a top 10 talent. I think he obviously fits a, a big need. My fourth need, if you need a reminder, but 
Um, in, I, I think in general, when you're getting a cornerback, the higher, the better. And I mean, that's, that's a really stupid, obvious statement, but in terms of this draft, I think you can get more value out of the edge position deeper in the draft than you can cornerback. So give me, if, if it's down to those two, give me greedy. I love greedy too, but the one thing that gives me pause is that then means that defensive end probably has to come on a second round pick. And my reservation there, my only reservation there is that Bob Quinn is really, is really 50, 50 sometimes with his second round draft picks. I mean, granted, we've only, we've only seen three years of it, small sample size. I'm just saying like the sample size up until this point has left me kind of shifting in my seat back and forth being like, is he going to score the right one? Wow. I thought, and I, here I thought Ashawn Robinson was your boy. He, he's my son, but sometimes sons grow and grow and, and leave the house and have to make their own mark on life. Yeah, I, I, Cleveland Farrell, I, I think I agree with Jeremy. <clears throat> he's a guy that I would like for the Lions later in the first round. But Greedy Williams, I mean, he went, I think, number four in Mel Kuyper's mock draft to the Raiders. So, I mean, he, he I think he's pretty much clearly like CB1 on a lot of people's boards for a variety mm-hmm. of reasons. One of them being he's six foot three. I mean, so he's he's a really big guy. So he he's a guy that you can see playing, you know, outside receivers and being big enough to to kind of you know body with them in terms of in terms of length and 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 size and stuff. So he might even price himself out. Like he might not be there at number eight. So mm. the Lions are in a really precarious position. I, I I really think that there's a good chance, like a better than good chance, that the Lions trade out of that pick, and I would be all for it. Yes, please. <laughs> really all right all right next question here we have uh steve mellon listening to tony romo predict play after play week after week is it possible jim bob cooter got a bad rap for his quote-unquote predictable play calling and that's actually just how the nfl is there's, there's some truth to that I think I, I yeah I, I mean that that makes a lot of sense right there right but I mean at the same time like I think that's just because uh sorry you know what uh, I'll let Jeremy finish his thing here I just realized I jumped on him there uh well the the yeah. only thing I was I was gonna say is that when you hear that from the other team after a game you're only gonna hear it when it happens you're not gonna hear right. it when it doesn't happen right and like they win you, yeah right. And so, of course, they're going to say that they guessed right. And and sometimes you do guess right. I think it happens all the time. In general, those stories that say like, oh, yeah, I knew I knew what play was coming. I take that one with a grain of salt, grain of salt, just because, yeah, it, it does happen with every team. And there there are some some tendencies that that teams have. And, and Tony Romo certainly looked very smart last night, um, guessing on on a couple things. And a lot of times with a team, especially like the Patriots, they they don't really hide what they're going to do. They're just saying like, hey, we do this so well, go ahead and try and stop us. You can't. Yeah. I think the other thing too, and the point I want to get, uh, want to say though too, is like Tony Romo has not been away from the game that long either. Like, I mean, considering that his immediate predecessor was Phil Sims, who played football back in like what, the set, the, the 70s, the 80s? Back with Denise Austin. <laughs> yes, back with your beloved Denise Austin. Asking asking Phil asking Phil Sims to weigh in on the modern look of football and try to predict moves is an impossibility. 
with Tony Romo, who was literally just playing like what three, four years ago. A little easier to do. Who do you who do you think's making a bigger coup? Like, do you think people who know Sean McVay or Jason Witten because he simply played with Tony Romo getting the Monday night football job? Just rubbing up against him, just <laughs> just following the tried and true NFL uh, NFL method of the Bill Belichick coaching tree hires. Like ESPN, ESPN and ABC decided they're like, you know what? Hey, Tony Romo did such a good job on CBS. Who is somebody who's retired who we can put in our booth? Let's go with Jason Witten. Smash cut to Jason Witten talking about how, you know, offenses of the NFL Elmwood. are too, too left wing. <laughs> oh, that worked out well. I think, I think there is some predictability to NFL offenses. Like, I mean, I, I just oh, think, I, I think. I think people assume that they're they're completely unknowable, but it is like I think defenses go out there and it's like, you know, we've got two or three different options of what's going to happen. And then just it's a coin flip at that point, a three sided coin. Yep. Sometimes you could land on edge. All right. Magic Mur 20. What fast food chain would the last two conference championship games be have have been if they were a fast food chain? We're getting a lot of fast food questions lately. They're they're beginning to know us a little too well, I think. Everything's got to be food. I think. Real quick aside, like the Drake post was perfect right i mean both of those drake puts drake drake puts all of those teams on his shirt or whatever (laughs) over time because nobody wants to win yeah just for background of people who don't know drake like has this reputation of cursing the team that he's rooting for he's like the ultimate bandwagon guy too like one week he'll be down repping kentucky and then another week he'll be up in like boston or something yeah and so he he what took an Instagram post of a picture of him wearing all four logos. Yep. Yep. And now we were left with that set of games. That was just everyone doing their best to, to lose. And so very yeah, he picked, by the refs or whatever. Cause what is it? He picked, um, he was, he was with, uh, Alabama in the champ in the national championship. Was he? he yes, was. he was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he roll, he roll tided. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Fast food restaurants for the conference championship games. Do you guys have any strong opinions? The uh, I think a- if it was, yep, yeah, go on. I'll do AFC real quick. AFC mm-hmm. to me was White Castle because, Oof. like, when you're you're just like you're eating this crazed crave pack, you're just like, oh my god, this is so good, this is so much fun, this is crazy. I know this is a horrible idea, but I'm gonna do it, and then the end result is disaster. <laughs> um, I'm gonna have to go. I'll take the NFC side, and I know this is kind of more of a uh probably something not a lot of Michigan people have had, but I'm gonna go with Raisin Canes, which if you don't know it, it is a uh southern chicken tender palace and it's delicious. Um it's awesome, but it is uh yeah, like Jeremy said, sometimes sometimes that chicken that sometimes that chicken can bite you. But it's also delicious for me because I love chicken tenders. L.A. baby. I don't know. I was trying to. I was trying to think of a way to like work it into the to the Saints getting hosed, and I just couldn't really think of any. Sorry, you, Chris, you don't need to be perfect. You're just adequate enough. I'm I'm perfect. No. Fine. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> 
trust me, a lot of people have been trying to throw that at me to hope that I will adopt that as a joke. And I'm like, exactly that. That right there is why I will not. Okay, next question. Bruce Hagan. Look at most of the talent and stars in the NFL over the years. They were not high draft picks. They were bargains who wanted to show what they could do. Bruce, this isn't in the form of a question. <laughs> not only that, this is wrong. Me and Jeremy were sitting here because this is, this is something people do every year, right? It's all about the scrappy guys. And that's always pushed by, you know, certain sports writers and certain sports radio guys who want to believe in this, who want to push this whole scrappy thing. Let's talk about how many first round draft picks are right now on the roster of the Los Angeles Rams. <laughs> you want to do this, Jeremy? We got, we got Jared Goff. Jared Goff. Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley. Indomitian Sue. Brandon Cooks. Yep. Uh, some guy named Aaron Donald. Never heard of him. Never heard of him. Uh, Marcus Peters. Akib Talib. Second round draft pick, but we're starting to run out here. Roger Saffold was a se- second rounder. I believe Andrew Whitworth, the left tackle, was also a second rounder. What year was Dante Fowler? Uh, first round draft pick. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, I mean, like, miss us with this. It's only the scrappy guys. Please. By all means, miss us with this. But, like, it's also kind of phenomenal listening to that list and seeing how many of those guys ended up on the Rams. Mm-hmm. And not, not all of them were drafted. Like, ma- a, a large majority of them weren't even drafted by them. And so that's a magic them, trick. It's yeah. a magic trick. I think for as much as we're giving Sean McVay credit, let's talk about the Rams general manager for a little bit. That guy was an insane person this offseason. And somehow, I, good question. <laughs> Don't put me on the spot, you son of a it's bitch. A, it's need. It's less need. Oh, less need. Okay. But yeah, yeah. I mean, we were in awe this offseason of just how many people he was able to add. And we were like, man, this better pay off because they are selling out on this season. And guess what? It paid off. I mean, that's that was our reaction when they got Sue, right? Was like, yeah. and I even said as much, I want more off seasons like what the Rams did because they were exciting and went for broke. Yeah. I know, I know we probably can't do the same thing with the Patriots, but guess what? There's only one Patriots team. They just got a crappy Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, even then, like, I could probably find some first round. Is, is that it, too? Is it just, like, people just look at Tom Brady and just extrapolate that and say that's the trend? Because I feel like it is. Maybe. I mean, let's not, let's not sleep on how great of a game Sony Michelle had, first round draft pick. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, okay, next question, and guess what? It's another Brady question. Constrictor14, our friend from, tw- from uh, Twitch and Discord, which, by the way, you should join us on Discord. Uh, if Brady loses and becomes the goat of losing Super Bowls, as well as his already established goat of winning Super Bowls, does that help or tarnish his reputation? <laughs> this is the old this is the old Michael Jordan LeBron James adage of like is it better to get to the championship or is it better to be perfect in your appearances in them? I I don't think it I don't think there's anything that can tarnish Tom Brady's legacy at this point. No. I don't think and I, I mean, honestly, besides besides Tom besides Donald Trump Besides his political affiliation, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I don't even think a, another Super Bowl under his belt does much. Like he's already he's already at the top of the mountain. I don't I don't understand how 
anything can change. I, I do think it's kind of funny that you think about yesterday's game and how he threw that game losing interception only for it to be overturned by a, a away from the play offsides penalty. And how, oh. like, I mean, how quickly oh. can a narrative about a guy change, right? Like, oh, you go from being the uh, the lowercase goat to the uppercase goat based on how he played in, in overtime. And my God, he was on fire in overtime. But. Do you think, do you think at all, and I have to ask you this though, do you think at all that Tom Brady gets pegged as being kind of the recipient of luck in those kind of situations that he just locks out on kind of stuff like that? I don't think it's happened enough. I mean, the, I mean, obviously there's the, there's the tuck rule and, and there's the, the situation yesterday, but like he's, he's done it too many times for, for people to actually doubt this guy anymore. As much as Bill Belichick or whoever in the Patriots organization is trying to sell the Patriots as underdogs and people don't believe them. Then, oh my God, it's uh, so Jesus annoying. <laughs> uh, everyone believes in Tom Brady right now. Okay. You don't, you don't need to play the, no one's cutting No, no one's counting out touchdown Tom. All right, James at Cookie Nine Nine One. Are the is the Lions not playing in London an advantage in any way? Um, it's more of an advantage than it is a disadvantage. <clears throat> the only way I will ever want the Lions to go to London is if it counts as a away game. And yeah, I think it, it the idea was that it would have because the team that we knew was going to play in London this year was the Raiders. And that's, that's an away game, but the bears were lucky enough to grab that game. I don't know. I, the way, the way it's set up is that you get your bye week now after, after your international game. But to me, it's that first you get, you get the bye week after the game, right? Not before it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that game itself has got to be tough for both teams, right? Just going on a you're a short week traveling internationally, and I mean it, it's obviously an equal disadvantage for both teams. But I don't know. I'm 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 personally glad glad that they don't have the international game this year. Yeah, I'm 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 cool with it. I when do we know when that game? We don't know when that game is though, right? The no. Bears and Raiders. Yeah. So I mean, if it's earlier in the season too, I think that you see so many NFL teams that they 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 prefer their bye weeks later in the season, like talking about like week eight, week nine, something like that. Um, you, you want it to be later in the season or, you know, then, then you want it to be earlier in the season. So depending on when it falls, I don't know. Yeah. I, it's funny enough. Cause like, I like the idea of international expos for these games, but football's too limited a quantity to really spend it on some some place like london i know there's like england you know there's there's british fans like james he's he's from britain if i remember uh who who are you know they want to see they want to see the lines back there but i mean I, it's it's almost too limited of a quantity when it comes to football to really just have it have like all these games going over there especially as as you know you guys point out if they count as a home game or away game and especially what it does with like the bye week and your strategy for that. Variables. They matter. Variables. All right, we're coming up on the end of the podcast. I've got one more question here. Uh, with the news coming out of Tampa Bay might be releasing Gerald McCoy and the Lions having the cap room. Do they think they may, might make a push for him? All right. 
Let me let me get into this. Did I mention so who this re- question's for? for? First, Sean Morico, Mauricio. It's All a, right, it's, now go ahead, Jeremy. This is a late podcast rage corner from Jeremy. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So first of all, let, let's <clears throat> just talk about the source of this quote-unquote rumor or news yes, or whatever. Yes, thank you. Um, the source of the Sean, the Sean, whatever, Mc, Gerald, Gerald McCoy, McCoy might get cut is not news. It's not a rumor. It's none of that. It's Roto World, who I have a very big problem with how they report quote-unquote news and rumors. They took an ESPN journalist's opinion who said, analyst, looking at the numbers, analyst, whatever, looking at the numbers, hey, he might be a cap casualty. Roto World runs with the headline, Bucks might release Gerald McCoy. That's horseshit. That's, I mean, if you... Let's look at it personally. If, if Michael Rothstein puts out an article saying, hey, maybe the Lions do re-sign Ezekiel Ansah, and then Rotor World runs with the headline, Lions are going to re-sign or Lions might re-sign Ezekiel Ansah, you'd be pretty upset about that, wouldn't you? Yep. Yeah. And hey. so <clears throat> maybe they do. I mean, anyone can look at his contract situation and say, yeah, it makes some sense to release him. There has been absolutely no signs that the Bucks are interested in doing that. It's just one person's opinion. Now, I'm still going to answer your question because it's it's worth considering because I think there is value to looking at potential cap casualties and whether they'd fit with Detroit. The answer is no. Because I do think the Lions have a little more faith in a guy like Deshaun Hand. I think he's a better fit in the system, and he's going to come a buttload cheaper because if McCoy does hit free agency, he's going to be very expensive because people want pass rushers and he's a pass rusher from the interior, which is maybe not as, va- as valuable as an edge rusher, but he's absolutely valuable. So give me a, a big pass on Gerald McCoy. Any thoughts, Ryan? <clears throat> Roto world. Great for <clears throat> fantasy news as an aggregator. If you so want horrible. Your, yeah. If you, if you want, if you want your, if you want your rumors, go, go someplace else. Come on, people! Like, fact check your stuff. Yeah. That being Double said, bring, bring me, bring me Gerald McCoy. You are fake <laughs> news. All right, closing time. Who you got in the Super Bowl? Uh-huh. Or do I have to save it for next week? Save it for next week after I write on paper. Yeah, let's 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 see if uh, Todd Gurley stops being sorry as hell. Does that show up on the injury report? Is it Todd Gurley was a limited practice? <laughs> Questionable, <laughs> questionable. Sorry as hell. Sorry, sorry as hell in parentheses. <laughs> it should be. Thank you for listening to the Pride Detroit PODcast. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. Our main theme was produced by Ryan Shepard. You can find him on Twitter and on SoundCloud at... I am Brian Shepard. I-A-M-B-R-I-A-N-S-H-E-P-A-R-D. Thanks a lot to him. Check out his stuff. He's been great. He gave us Victory Monday, so go check him out. That's I am Brian Shepard. And thank you for everyone who keeps listening and makes us one of the greatest Lions podcasts possible. Y'all are awesome. See you star side. Hello, I'm Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. 
And we're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? And why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. (laughs) We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find us anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out.